welcome to Rainbow Speaks, Rainbow Stage's first and only official Rainbow Stage podcast. I am your host, Kara Joseph. I am your other host, Quinn Joseph. We are not related. (laughs) We are related. You said this every single time. Quinn. Over the last few podcasts, we've talked about all of your successes. You bought a car. You started a new job as a teacher at an an undisclosed school. Yeah, I have not revealed the school and I won't, just in case. I would like to... (laughs) (laughs) You got engaged. You bought a house. Yeah. What about me? What what about you? you, What's going on in your life? Do you want to talk about successes? Is that what this is? It seems like I'm going to ask you and you don't have anything. I, um... I made a delicious pasta meal last night, and I was pretty proud of it, and I had some for lunch today, and it was, it held me over until now. I forgot to eat dinner, so I will get a little rumbly-tumbly as we go along tonight. Don't, um, Daphne will cut that out, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> we do have a segment coming up called Tummy Mike, where <laughs> it's just a check-in on how hungry everyone is, based on their gurgles. <laughs> Um, that's good. But yeah, so we're so we're kind of equal in the exciting <laughs> things happening department. Yeah. yeah, big news on both ends. What do you say? Let's get speaking. Today's topic is old versus new. The golden age of musical theater, that is 1943 to 1964, saw some of the biggest smash hits in all of Broadway history. All the way from Oklahoma to Fiddler on the Roof, so, so many classic musicals premiered and stole the hearts of countless audiences everywhere, solidifying them as timeless classics, right? Not entirely. Ironically, like any art, some of these timeless classics don't actually stand the test of time. Through a modern 2022 lens, things created in the 20th century are often full of pesky misogyny, racism, and anti-LGBTQ language, among other largely problematic topics. Yet, some of these musicals are still revived over and over and over. Oklahoma, Guys and Dolls, Showboat, West Side Story, all of these shows have been revived at least five times since their premieres, sometimes for runs longer than their original ones. So clearly there's still a market for these shows, in spite of some of those problematic themes and topics. But is that a good thing? Do these revivals of classic shows perpetuate problematic topics? Do they prevent new, more progressive work from seeing the light of day? Or do they sell tickets and keep the theater industry alive? Well, we had these questions, and here to discuss these exact questions and more, we have two experts on all things musical theater. Please welcome Paul DeGurse and Jillian Willems. Hi, everybody. Oh, my gosh. Experts. That's a very generous thing to say. Don't worry. I'll take it again. Please welcome... A couple of schmoes. <laughs> <laughs> That's more like I feel it. much more comfortable with that. <laughs> Thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for having Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you for being, being here. here. Um, who are you? Tell us why you're here and who what you do in theater and in life. I'm Paul Kara. I'm here because you guys asked me to be. <laughs> oh. <laughs> shoot, shoot, shoot. Asked him to be. <laughs> yeah. um, my name is Paul DeGurse. I, for the past 12 years or so, have worked as a professional music director and conductor of musical theater productions. also do some composition and sound design. I've been lucky enough to work all over the country at various professional theaters around the country. And I'm also an arts administrator 
where I'm one of the founders and one of the uh, employees at the Village Conservatory for Music Theater. Woo-woo. And how did, how did you find theater? Kind of a, a lucky flip of the coin more than anything. I, um, I was a university student at the uh, U of M studying jazz, studying jazz piano. And on my uh, summer break after my second year of university, a close friend of mine asked me if I would music direct a musical in the uh, Fringe Festival. Oh, wow. And I said yes, and I really was attracted to the collaborative uh, nature of the work, the inter- interdisciplinary collaborative nature of the work. And it also seemed like a market in Winnipeg that could use my skills and talents. So I thought, well, let's jump on it. Let's make it happen. Hi, everybody. I'm Jillian Willems. I consider myself a person of many hats yep. in the theater community here. You are made audio. of many hats. Yes. Yes. Oh, or, ma- <laughs> or do you wear them? Wearing for those them. for those who are listening, Jill's wearing like eight hats. So like, many. Yeah, it's like bowler, cowboy. Yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty wild. But they're all they're all leaning. And they yeah. all say a different thing that I'm about yeah. to list. So. Yeah. It's it's a lot that you brought that in here today. But I'm so happy. Thank you so much for having all my hats here. Um, so I am a director, choreographer, performer, educator. Yeah. That's no question mark needed <laughs> yeah. educator. educator period and i like paul have been at it for about probably just over a decade 10 maybe 12 years now professionally i am an artistic associate at the village conservatory and paul and i co-host a podcast called what <laughs> there's <Hang> more on. <laughs> there are other Duchess podcast. Daphne, wow. why didn't you tell us this? Yeah, <laughs> you said this was the first official anything podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the only podcast yeah, ever made. Uh, we we co-host Monkeys and Playbills, a podcast about Broadway musicals that had runs of 100 uh, shows or fewer. And what the heck happened? They're pitching no. their. <laughs> that was really good. We, we, we need to take some end. notes. Yeah, yeah. But we do plugs at the end. <laughs> so cool at you too. <laughs> Just bleep over it. Um, no, that sounds awesome. And what brought you to theater? Oh gosh. Well, when I was uh, six or seven, Rainbow Stage was putting on a production of The Sound of Music. Up until that point, my introduction to musical theater had been through film. A chorus line was big in my house. Wizard of Oz. Yeah, just like through cinema. That was how I received mm-hmm. musical theater in That's the beginning. so cool. Uh, what's very cool to me about that specifically is everybody, when film is their introduction to musical theater, they default Disney. And that's very mm. interesting that you immediately were like, no, it's like these. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, no, yeah. I'm, theater, I'm pretty yeah. sure that a chorus line was like incredibly formative for even the style of dance that I tend to gravitate toward when I'm mm. teaching or choreographing that like really like athletic 80s, like late 70s, early 80s style of jazz movement. So, yeah. I mean, we're so glad to have you both because as as we cheekily asked in our opening, are these old shows good? Are they <laughs> are they valuable to have going, especially when they're not necessarily progressive by today's standards? Mm-hmm. That's a huge question. Oh, we're going to break it down to smaller questions. Oh, okay, good. Little itty bitty guys. Little bitty questions that are easily digestible. Like, let's just jump in with, yeah. are there golden age classic works that you consider timeless or that hold a special place in your heart? Absolutely. Even just hearing Jill talk about a chorus line, which I know doesn't fall into the mm-hmm. uh, the strictly defined golden age, yeah, I mean, but would absolutely let's expand. is, yeah. Yeah. is, yeah. is the broader bit. canon. Things like The Sound of Music, many Rodgers and Hammerstein shows, many Cole Porter shows, mm-hmm. many shows from the turn of the 20th century from like your Kurt Viles or something right. yeah. are 
very valuable to study not only as academic texts for so we can understand where this art form came from and where it's going next, but also, in my opinion, still have a lot of weight and have a lot to say about the world as it exists today. I struggle, I think, with yeah. this. And each day I probably, or depending on each musical or composer's like body yeah. of work, mm-hmm. I have a different feeling about each show. Yeah. I think as 21st century folks, we're living mm-hmm. in this world today and we can look back on things fondly with nostalgia, mm-hmm. but maybe maybe we don't necessarily still need those narratives because there are other shows currently that are telling these stories better Mm. in ways that maybe we didn't have the language at the time maybe we didn't have the context at the time so that's something that i've been thinking a lot about especially doing our podcast it's a question that comes up a lot right Mm -hmm. um and then when we talk about revivals it comes up a lot too so to you, is there, this is not to, to for clickbait or cancellation <laughs> purposes, but to be clear, is there a show that like sticks out to you as really internally contradictory where it's like, I love it, but? Yes, but I want to be very cautious about what the but is. Mm-hmm. I love it, but the music is quite dated. I love it, but the narrative style is something that no longer really holds my attention. A few years ago, right. I worked on a production of um, of Kurt Weill and Bertolt Brecht's uh, Three Penny Opera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a yeah. beautiful show. It's an important show. The music, the text, all really, in my opinion, things that still can hold a lot of weight today. So I would say I like the Three Penny Opera, mm-hmm. but it's a really tough one to program these days just for audiences, including myself, to actually experience because of its length and the way that it's structured. Right. Mm. Totally. Those kind of challenges are things that I'm okay with. Yeah, like there's shows where I wonder if it's like necessary that we do them in their entirety. Yeah. Like I think a lot about South Pacific. Orchestrally, it's stunning and gorgeous and I would love to hear an orchestra play this music. Yeah. But do we need the whole thing? The like heroic moment mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, of some of those shows <laughs> are like the, the big aha for uh, Nelly in that show is, mm-hmm. oh, like I'm tolerant of you know yes, like absolutely. it never even gets to a point of i was so wrong it's like i can swallow I can this pill let this go yes exactly yes. And, to, and to be clear for audiences at home who don't know south pacific the the two leads uh fall in love um but it turns out that the emil the male lead uh, of the show has two uh, i guess vaguely polynesian children mm-hmm. or half polynesian children uh and nelly upon finding this out is a little bit taken aback and a bit how would you describe? You've played the role. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Based on having played this role, I would say there's this like inner turmoil for her because she's not actually worldly. She's not a person who has met or interacted with people with different perspectives mm-hmm. or different life experience. And so I feel like she has a, a more narrow view and the way that that manifests is fear for her. And I think then the fear becomes anger and all of the different manifestations of that. But I think what you're hinting at is the fact that we don't get the resolution that's actually necessary to see what that change was. It's just sort of like, I guess I'll do it because I love this man. And you know? Yes. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. and to be clear, that's also maybe necessary now because right. at the time groundbreaking that's sometimes that's yeah, like crazy multiple times banned in different theaters and states wouldn't do it while that's on touring crazy. shows mm-hmm. i want to pull a surprise for exactly this reason of it's like 
progress that it was making in terms of the idea of like interracial relations and those kinds of things. And so it's really interesting that something so progressive that it was illegal (laughs) um, in some places by today's standards it makes our skin crawl sometimes. Yes. This is, I'm really glad that you said that. I agree completely. It's really fascinating that we've brought up South Pacific this soon in the podcast because South Pacific is a piece that is textually explicitly anti-racist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yes. A, yeah. A, a song Isn't that, that is, wild? Which is, <laughs> so it's, and it's, it's impossible to argue that, but yeah. it's also impossible to argue that it stands up these days right, without, yeah. like you said, making your skin crawl mm-hmm. with um, how insensitive the, the depictions of um, various relations between people of different races are. Mm-hmm. Yes. But to me, South Pacific is kind of the, the shining example of, is there a point in doing it anymore? Mm-hmm. Do you think it's the easiest one for us to remember because it was so... Absolutely. It was so celebrated yes. for its um, progressive nature. Yeah. Right. And it plays so not that now. Yeah. yeah. Is that going to happen with um, Next to Normal yeah. or Hamilton yeah. or what have you? I think there are a you, lot right? of modern musicals that are going to fall into the same yeah. thing. I mean, yeah. Avenue Q's taken that yeah. Yeah. Oh, super high, right? Like pretty quickly. And, <gasps> so quickly. and that's that's another one for me that's like, I love it, but mm-hmm. I don't want to ever, I don't think I want to see it performed yeah. ever no. now. Yes. I, I'm going to listen to it in the privacy of my own. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a show that comes to mind as like I love it, but like Dogfight, for example, mm-hmm. it's like a really that's like it's a great listen. Yes. I don't necessarily love the show in its totality, but it's a great listen. But it's also like very gross, and oh, and yeah. and the you don't get the payoff in that show that you would want by a modern standard. Mm-hmm. I know that's a, that's another quite modern example, though. So it's yeah, kind that's of, only like think, ten years yeah. old, yeah. and I think it's happening faster and faster now that these shows are you can just be like that one little thing that makes you go hmm. Is it necessary that we analyze it that hard, too? I don't know. Mm. I think it is. As creators of theater in whatever aspect, in, um, whether we're writing, directing, performing, and producing, have a responsibility to the audience, to the people receiving the show, to do no harm. Applies to physical harm, obviously, if um, mm. it would be the worst mm. thing in the world if an audience member got hurt at a show. Mm-hmm. But that also applies to mental or emotional mm-hmm. anguish. And... So I think if there's a possibility that the content of a show, if it's not trying to like specifically explore this, um, mm-hmm. this idea, mm-hmm. um, right. I guess what I'm trying to say is in the case of something like an Avenue Q or something, I think we have a responsibility to make sure that our jokes especially, but the content of our shows in general is not causing harm to mm-hmm. someone who's Absolutely. watching it, especially yeah. to people, to demographics, folks of color, folks of, um, from different marginalized communities who we really want to welcome into the theater yeah. mm-hmm. like it's that's a huge goal that most theaters make explicit and that we as artists yeah. have had deep in our hearts for years and can you imagine like a show like avenue q being your only avenue into getting into theater right. well like, exactly oh, okay i guess i'm gonna be gary coleman now yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes totally and you've done some harm <laughs> yeah which is interesting because my all-time thing that got me into musical theater is, yeah. is book of mormon uh, Ooh, I like yes. yeah, my brother literally got oh, yeah. the soundtrack for Christmas one Absolutely. year. Mm-hmm. I, Listening to it 
falling asleep and yeah. just like oh, having yeah. it ringing in my yeah. head as over, you guys were like laughing yeah. over and over and over we listened <laughs> yeah. to that show so Absolutely. much our our dad's favorite show is um it's the sound of music and so watching that movie for me was uh falling asleep uh, was, <laughs> yeah. was my yeah. that was my that was my sort of introduction to musical theater and so i really didn't find a way in but i really right. loved comedy and i loved yeah. um that kind of thing and while i wasn't even into like south park specifically and i think a lot of people felt really blindsided by here's a brand new way we can tell story in a really traditional uh, format or in a really Mm -hmm. traditional structure. While some of the representation is sort of, there's both sides getting made fun of, but largely the representation for people of color in that show is like the butt of a joke. I don't, in in sort of a like, let's reduce what it is to be Ugandan specifically in mm-hmm, this show. Mm-hmm. Um, I still love it. And uh-huh. The jokes hold up and they... I think I would still kind of want to be in the show yeah. in a way. Sure. It's, it's, but maybe that's more of a nostalgic piece than of like, should I be in the show? Totally. Yeah. But, right. but then you also kind of have to think, it was written by two white guys. Well, that's the other so. thing is like right away... Two white guys and Bobby Lopez, like, <laughs> uh, doesn't do enough necessarily to tell an authentically Ugandan perspective. Yeah, I know, right? Um, who decides what stays and what goes? How do we choose? Like, if we decide South Pacific is a show that we should still tell, is it appropriate to modify the show, or mm. should it l- exist as it is because it existed as it was for that time and it means so much? I don't think the show should be modified Mm -hmm. in any way. I think, just like I don't think that we should ever forget what South Pacific, for example, did, the good that it did. Yeah. Because it did plenty of good. If you have to start having the conversation about, man, we really have to modify this show. Just write a new show. Find a new show, man. (laughs) It's not like there's a lack of artists out there looking for work. You know what I mean? Yep. We know that it exists. We have evidence of that work. We yep. can listen back to it to get an idea of what was going on at the time. Mm-hmm. I think that's a wonderful gift that we have with recordings and with access to scripts and things like that and lots of interviews with people over the years. But I start to wonder if it's like, is there a story that is new that tells us the same thing better? People are doing a more nuanced, more appropriate modern look at the exact same content, the exact mm-hmm. same theme. Absolutely. But then they stop selling tickets. Mm-hmm. And there's the other yeah. sometimes gross piece is yeah. mm-hmm. we are in an industry that is really subsidized uh, grant-based work. Mm-hmm. And so any time to earn revenue is a big deal. And these shows earn revenue because people recognize them. I think a lot of companies have felt like in order to maintain their level of production however many shows they decide to do in a season they need to have one or two big sellers for their subscriber base specifically and it's not really about bringing in new people to see the show it's about sustaining the money makers essentially if it's actually true that everyone else loves it then absolutely program away i sometimes get very frustrated with the idea that theater companies exist to exist. We are nonprofit charitable yes. organizations. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's not just a tax status, that's a responsibility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That responsibility mm-hmm. is serve your serve. mandate, serve yeah. your mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the time, with a revival of a show at the regional level, 
I have trouble understanding how it actually serves. Yeah. 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 What is what does that show do to impact your community? Exactly. At mm. this point in time. Yeah. And can I can I ask this? And maybe this is from the perspective of somebody I often fail to hold a lot of nostalgia for a lot of mm. things in general. Yeah, yeah. People look at that and they're like, yeah, I know it's not great, but I still can't help but love it. I'm very much a person who's like, I know it's not great, so I don't like it anymore. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. Um, it, who does it serve is a really great question. And part of me thinks that, honestly, people like it because they think they're supposed to like it. It just makes me think like about how the legacy of these shows have been upheld. And it's also interesting the way that that the youth really grasp onto musical theater now Mm -hmm. it's almost like it's 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 very defining for them and i wonder how that like as shows age like i think of a show like dear evan hansen (laughs) i think the music in that show is beautiful What? Yeah. Why does it exist? <laughs> yes. Yeah. It is insane. Yeah. Sorry to the dear Evan Hansen stands out yeah. there, but <laughs> dear oh Evan my But I I think that that show to mm-hmm. me has aged poorly, but I think so many people still love it, and oh, it's oh, yeah. how long has it existed? Five years. And yep. like I was so excited about it. Mm-hmm. So it's a yeah, it's a different time. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to me to see the way young people are consuming yeah. theater now, and I wonder if that'll build a new subscriber base mm-hmm. in a way. I'll tell you, it won't if we keep on programming Golden Age. Right? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah real totally, talk. Yes. It's like, oh, you like Dear Evan Hansen? Here's Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, and there's you know the. <laughs> <laughs> Like anyone who says that musical theater as an art form is dying is talking out of their ass. That's oh, not totally. true, just like yeah. what you just said. But there's also no question that the way we're presenting it right now isn't necessarily resonating no. with the people that we want to be seeing these shows yeah. or to be going, coming to the theater, rather, I should say. Yeah. So I think that absolutely there is currently a new canon being created. I would mm-hmm. even go so far as to say we're in the middle of a new golden age of musical theater. Yeah. The um, amount of innovation that's being done right now sure. is incredible. We have to actually start paying attention to it as a wider community, mm-hmm. as an outside New York community at some point. And by paying attention to it, I mean actually investing artistically in either these shows or in other creators who are on that cutting edge. Mm-hmm. We have been talking about a lot of musicals that exist within a pretty specific framework. Mm-hmm. There have been a few musicals that have started from concept albums, like mm-hmm. we've got yeah. Jagged Little Pill, which yeah. is on yeah. Broadway now. The way that we create and present musicals, I think, is um, changing mm-hmm. now at a rate that it hasn't, probably. Yeah. And I think that's really exciting and an opportunity for us to not only expand the subscriber base, because I think that's a byproduct of of introducing and supporting creative endeavors like Mm -hmm. that are more original. It's exciting because it allows for a variety of stories, perspectives, experiences and yeah, mediums even. Mm -hmm. Which I was going to talk about earlier because you had mentioned the idea of do no harm. I think it's, it's a really simultaneously important rule to follow and sometimes to break. And mm-hmm. I will preface this by just saying, okay. so for example, has anybody here listened to A Strange Loop? Yes, love it. Yes. Absolutely one of the most brilliant pieces of art I have ever seen slash heard. Mm-hmm. And in terms of like l- content and language, there is room for harm to be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I understand the perspective is yep. very specific mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. very niche and like, 
if there is a person who to be using <laughs> any of that wide variety of specific language and whatever and experience, it's Michael R. Jackson. And so there's yeah. something interesting about pushing boundaries mm -hmm. in new ways that is like that show is never going to be mainstream for a variety of a variety of reasons. Yes. But listen to it. If you if you're a lover of musical theater, like it is really brilliant on so many levels. And but simultaneously, I guarantee you, you'll get uncomfortable right away, <laughs> uh, and then more uncomfortable, yeah. and then and then to, so uncomfortable sometimes that you'll like be like, oh, they can do this, <laughs> like, <laughs> but you can do this in a show. Yeah, apparently mm. you can, and do it really, really well. This isn't to say that this is. Uh, there's no intention of harm, mm. obviously, mm -hmm. um, and more importantly, I think that harm being defined as an intentional act of something. Now, mm. I don't believe that unintentional ignorance is also okay when it's harmful. What yeah. I do think is like pushing boundaries is really important. Right. And yes. being uncomfortable. Uh, I always use this phrase like I in an ideal situation for me is theater that makes that we're all comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that like there's a it's it's safe. I tell this to my right. students all the time, but it's like that's my ideal situation. It's not that we're all just like Happy, happy doing yeah, this. No, yeah, yeah, nobody's together. nobody's feeling and uncomfortable. Nobody's because I don't think we can learn as we easily in mm -hmm. that state. Mm -hmm. But I do like a situation where you start to get vulnerable and then you maybe have like emotions come up, but you don't feel the need to fight them for the sake of, you know, mitigating any problems yeah. because that that situation is comfortable. So for me, when I define safe space, that's really what I mean. Cool. It's not safe yes. where there's like no room for discomfort. There's lots of room for discomfort, in fact, but, mm -hmm. you know, in a nicer way. I think, <laughs> right. I think that's fantastic, Quinn. I think that's a and it's an important distinction mm -hmm. to yes, make. I, yes. uh, I agree completely. Could it be amended from do no harm to be very cognizant of the potential for harm mm. yeah. that you're yeah. causing. Mm, of course. Because yeah. I'm like, you're absolutely right. Discomfort and the potential to discuss challenging topics is essential yeah. yep. to live yep. performance, mm -hmm. to theater as an art form. I guess being aware of the direction you're punching more than yeah. anything. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like Strange Loop punches in a big hug of a let's all feel bad, it, weird about this together. Yeah, yeah. it's like there's a fist coming from the stomach <laughs> outward. Yeah. And then like, yeah. wraps its arm like, right back yeah. around you. Where is like Book of Mormon? That punch goes in a weird direction. Yeah. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? And I totally. don't, yep. and that that's where the potential is to cause harm. That someone totally. will come in and feel feel the alienation of mm -hmm. in that intent mm -hmm. yeah. rather yeah. than feel the wonderful sense of community that you get from exploring a difficult subject mm -hmm. with other people who get it. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that it ultimately comes down to timeline of when it took place because Absolutely. in that mm -hmm. era, only time quite like that you would see that many black people on stage was Lion King probably. Yeah. Mm -hmm. like Porgy and Bess. Porgy oh, yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Um but it's got a that's got a whole bunch of stuff yeah. on there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, there, but there's something interesting in like that perspective. Sometimes representation was the the, the hump to get over. Yep. Mm. But I also think now we're very over it. Absolutely. Yes. Um, we can start looking past it and have loftier goals. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Totally. I hope so. At least. <laughs> Talked about. Well, we're gonna remount this thing. But what about a revival, like a Broadway revival of? I don't know. Funny Girl. I'm, it's just obviously has been the talk of the town over yeah. the last mm -hmm. few months and thoughts come to mind, I'm sure, for you. Yeah. I think the biggest thing I've mm -hmm. discovered in the last couple of years of having biweekly chats with Paul mm -hmm. is that it seems 
and I'm I'm not in the room with these producers, so I I don't know for sure. <laughs> but I get the impression that they don't have that initial discussion together, which is like, what should we revive? It seems like things are very much passion projects funded by the money that they have and not at all like examining under the lens of like what would be the value of reviving this thing right now what message does it tell us present day that is maybe different from original i don't know i really struggle with that i think you're absolutely right that's at the very least explicitly the case with funny girl if i think of anything goes in the Mm -hmm. sutton foster revival Mm -hmm. i love sutton foster so much and i would watch her do anything goes Mm -hmm. every single day yep but I think it's only revived because of Sutton Foster. Yep. Cole Porter's incredible, but like not for 150 bucks, you know? Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <sighs> anyway, yeah. but yeah, pe- like were they talking about what is this story going to tell us yeah. that is really special and important to address? Or today? were they like, we've got two stars that are ready to hit the Broadway stage again yeah. after COVID and like we need to make something happen? Yes. Then counterpoint, consider like the, the Fiddler revival with um, the Yiddish text or... Um, also, semi-recently, the revival of Once on This Island, not a super old show, mm-hmm. yeah. um, but like a revival that happened a few years ago that kind of became the definitive version of that show, at yeah. least yeah. in my opinion. Absolutely. And I think those revivals very clearly speak to a lot of forethought and a lot of people asking, why are we doing this? Yes. Right. Uh, Westside, the, the movie version is another good example yeah. of that. Of yeah, like, absolutely. And the revival of that where they use Spanish, yeah. where Lin-Manuel wrote the mm-hmm. Spanish lyrics. Yeah. That's one of the best scores of in course. the 20th it's, century yes. of any right. kind of music. Yeah. It's, yeah. But at the same time, maybe it's time to not do West Side Story anymore. Mm. Just maybe yeah. it is. Like, there's no art that's, that's that good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. Once again, if it's... If it's punching wrong, if it's causing harm, in my opinion, there's no argument to be made that there's art good enough to cause harm to people. Can I mm-hmm. drop a big bomb on you? Always. Mm-hmm. Shakespeare. I truly love Shakespeare, but I also grew to love Shakespeare. Like, there's lots of offensive Shakespeare. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, like Merchant of Venice, mm-hmm. um, yeah. fellow. Throughout a lot of the plays, like, the anti-Semitism ran- runs rampant. Yep. And yet... We've decided societally, whether you agree or not, or I agree or not, that th- this is theater so good that it it literally can withstand anything. There's no version mm. of canceling Shakespeare, but at least in terms of even like removing the prominence of Shakespeare from the world, can't happen. Yeah. Oh, absolutely mm. not. Yeah. And so my question there is, is it because it, a little bit is, tr- uh, is tradition for tradition's sake, or is it because somebody was actually so brilliant they did something that we have not re- replicated to that level before. The audience doesn't understand like 97% yeah. of the stuff you say. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. much of it is physical and whatnot. But the writing in like iambic pentameter and in poetry in that way that we, is something we actually haven't really touched too, too much. Uh, not since then, because his contemporaries obviously mm-hmm. did. But in a modern world, we don't. Yeah. But there's it, something it, really transfixing about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like the musicality There's of it? Some, yeah, whatever yeah. it is, it's like listening to spoken word poetry to right. me, where yeah. it's just more interesting than a, like somebody giving a speech about that same topic. Right. I think it's part of what made uh, Hamilton so successful, mm-hmm. was not just the hip hop, but the it, all the language. In fact, that's the, my biggest comparison to something like Hamlet, from Hamlet to now, is something like Hamilton, where everything, um, and I think Hadestown to some extent as well, mm-hmm. yeah. there's so much poetry in mm-hmm. just the language of how they do any of the dialogue as well, that 
you're still transfixed by it. And sometimes you don't quite understand what's being said or whatever <laughs> it is, yeah. but you want to listen to yeah, it. Yeah, you're with it. Yeah. yeah. Shakespeare doesn't need to exist because certainly the themes of Shakespeare have been covered time and time and time mm-hmm. again yeah. in much more nuanced, much more progressive ways because mm-hmm. it was 1500. Like, whatever, yeah. you know what I mean? Like and please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that older pieces should not be performed. I agree 100% with the the merits of Shakespeare that you just described uh, really mm-hmm. succinctly. But I think if one of those pieces has, if it's something like The Merchants of Venice, that yeah. had just a, like an outrageously offensive by our modern standards caricature, yeah. mm-hmm. nothing's good enough to yeah. get past that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, maybe we do have to enter into a conversation about whether The Merchant of Venice is something that should be produced on professional stages anymore or whether it should exist as something we can study academically without necessarily presenting it as a commercial product. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. I kind of agree with that, but there's something sad about like putting things in the vault to never be presented again, even if I don't want to see it. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I like know I'm, exactly what you There's mean. something about a blank being like, so no one will ever perform. And there are yeah. certain shows that I'm like, I mm. really don't think they, sh- they should be performed. I almost can't get on board with them never being performed, even though I don't think they should. I don't know what that is. I often wonder, because there's the question of like harmful content that can be modified, perhaps. But if it's ingrained in the story, it's like another conversation entirely we've seen it happen in a few musicals where it's used to like solve the the mystery that was going on and it's Mm -hmm. like it's just like that okay let's just put that to bed we don't need that but if it's like there's maybe some language that could be revised for present but the story Mm -hmm. could still be told i don't know separating that is Mm -hmm. hard i do have a question for people who do feel like it's weird to put things to bed. Is there a part of it that is the fear of losing the legacy of Shakespeare, losing the legacy of Rodgers and Hammerstein, like because they're such important figures? Or have we been told that legacy matters? Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. What Mm -hmm. a good question. I'm not convinced that by presenting Rodgers and Hammerstein at a major regional level, they were actually doing anything substantial to further their legacy. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. The people who would actually further that legacy aren't going to see it. People who are already in on it, who are going to see it. And I'm not saying put it in the vault. That's a, there's, there's a middle ground yeah. between it gets programmed every two years <laughs> and it's never heard from again. You know what I mean? There's a there wide is. middle ground there. <laughs> what? And I'm, it almost makes you wonder, in 50 years, like is Hamilton going to hold that place that South Pacific holds now? It's hard to say what a because, wild thing to think because about. Yeah. Right. if I'm critically analyzing it, yeah. it's so easy to point at what a glorification of a bunch of slavers. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like it's, yep. it's easy yep. by today's standards. Yep. Yep. But God, is it transcendental like it is. Like so Pacific, it is an example of virtuosic writing in this style. Yeah. Yeah. It's just flawlessly, effortlessly virtuosic. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned like Hamilton as like an example of a pickup of Shakespeare from a text perspective. Mm -hmm. Do we think there's a pickup of like composition of Rodgers and Hammerstein that someone else that has picked up and run with that style so that we are maybe remembering that it exists, but like... Oh, flipping the script a little and bit. that's that's just the way art moves right that's the evolution well, yeah. of art and the way you you want it to move and i would yeah. say that lin-manuel you can at the very least you can see in his pieces 
the Rodgers and Hammerstein Golden Age influence mm-hmm. yeah. very clearly. Yeah. By modern version, do we mean writing in the same style? Like the same style of music? I think we just don't hear it now. Well, because yeah, that, that's, yeah. that's just the way that music yeah. evolves. Like, is anybody right? orchestrating in a similar way? Is anyone pulling melodically from those? Like, I just, I it think... makes me wonder about legacy in sure. just a different way. I, I would say, like, my the, the more direct thing to me is, like, it's on time to Lin-Manuel Miranda. If you're talking about, like, what, like cutting quick-paced lyrics stuff, <laughs> like, yep. that's pretty clear. Yeah. But, and you can also do the jump from... Like Roger and Hammerstein to Sondheim really yeah. easily, obviously yeah. based well, on their history. Yeah. yeah, I think new musicals are being influenced by the the new audiences that right. are yeah. taking them in, As well and we they like they like what's going on now. Yeah. They like yeah. this new stuff, right. and so it's ho- sort of hard to go back to because you see so many people who who just want a belt, and yep. that's like <laughs> and and it's, it like yes. I get it. It's fun. Yep. One of the things I love the most about music and art and just the creation of art and about musical theater specifically because it's a confluence of different disciplines. One of the things I like the most is seeing the different ways and permutations that we use all these tools in our toolbox. Mm -hmm. I really like Rodgers and Hammerstein music and I love that style of singing, a more legit style of singing. And I'd be be very excited to see a new piece that kind of embraced those styles. Mm -hmm. I'm even more excited to see pieces that take parts of that and Mm -hmm. parts of other stuff and create something kind of new and cool. Yes. Yeah. And yes, it is kind of sad that maybe some of some stuff gets left by the wayside. It's never gone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Nothing ever nothing ever disappears. I, I I love that idea in like a cultural sense as well. Yes. And I think that's Absolutely. like ultimately I want a world if I if I describe utopia to me it is exactly that. The same way that we're pulling from like eras and and different genres and whatever. That's uh, or my best argument for why should everybody be exposed to everybody uh, mm-hmm. is exactly that is like the more echo chamber we are in, in like uh, our artistic world where it's yep. just these old things and that's mm-hmm. what theater is. Anything monolithic is not good. But like the more we learn from all of them, the closer we are to some greater thing. <laughs> well, I mean, again, this whole conversation has been revolving around theater in a very Western lens. Yep. And, oh, yeah. and what that golden age is a very narrow thing that we're yeah. looking yes. at. Mm-hmm. And and what theater can be in the future is so much more than these, even what it is now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. For that reason, especially that's the reason we don't vault shows either. Mm-hmm. Because then we're just right. in an echo chamber in the other direction. Mm-hmm. You have to learn. You have to study. And, you know, sometimes you have to take some personal responsibility. We need to take some personal responsibility as artists and creators. If the show's not on the stage, we can study up and know that South Pacific is important and go check it out yeah. mm-hmm. and learn from it and grow from it. Yeah, You know what I mean? It's The show's not gone mm-hmm. if it's not on the stage mm-hmm. in front of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you are deciding yes. what the public is consuming and mm-hmm. that can do more harm than good. There just needs to be a lot of thought. The consideration that you mm-hmm. said when, it, co- when yes. it comes to which way you're punching mm-hmm. and, and what, what does your programming actually say. The, more, the most cynical version of programming is looking at audience members as commodities who will pay yeah. money and yep. which show will get the most people in there. Mm-hmm. And I think we as artists owe it to our community to show more care than that. Mm-hmm. What will enhance our community? What yeah. will serve our community? Mm-hmm. Well, it's shifting that perspective that the com- that the theater is not just an entertainment venue, but a yes. community space yes. for audiences mm-hmm. and artists and your outside community who may not be involved in theater. Absolutely. And what the impact 
what that ripple effect can be on mm-hmm. and it starts with what you're programming yeah. mm-hmm. because that's the most impact that's going to happen mm-hmm. yes yeah. i'm also seeing a huge surge in like smaller the nomadic companies mm-hmm. the ones yes. that don't have their own theater yep. mm-hmm. they're doing creating really wonderful work sort of like that independent plus yes. company an expansion from five names is really good and that's also where you're going to, if anyone's ever going to start creating something i don't know if in winnipeg we could ever get this a strange loop but creating something similar or yeah. something as edgy something as groundbreaking i think that's a legitimate possibility but it requires the resources to also go to people who can. I mean, not that we ever want to be in this situation, but I think a lot of the like most exciting work that I've done was when we had like no money mm. because mm-hmm. you're just sort of like, let's do the thing that we want to do however we can do it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I hope that after discussing such a like specific framework of this like classic Broadway musical, that we might start to explore ways to honor shows like Strange Loop that might not come through, but to create our own or... Yeah. You have very limited resources of what you can create because then what you end up with is like a really, really what matters. Mm-hmm. Like what is... Very what, focused, yeah. dialed And in. I think that's yes. such a great way of working when you take away resources and money and, and things. It's like, one, how passionate are you about it? <laughs> <laughs> but two, like you also feel like you don't you're not beholden to anything Mm -hmm. so the being risky and being whatever and like let's just do something that we love sometimes creates really magical stuff yeah it's like what's the sweet spot between like (laughs) funding (laughs) and creative pursuits yeah i have so much to think about and i'm thrilled about that absolutely yeah we want to squeeze in our last question that we always ask that we always ask our guests and peanut butter Nope, sorry. Bridgerton? That's a really good, both good answers to the question <laughs> okay. that I'm about to ask. Yeah. Actually, like, spot on. You don't have to answer Amazing. it now, but let me now ask I'm excited it. to yeah. hear the question. To you, what is the most exciting thing happening in theater right now? It could be... <laughs> and Bridgerton. It could be locally, it could be mm-hmm. nationally, internationally, whatever you think. Just before the mics went on. We were talking about something that's really cool happening in the city that I don't think people are talking about enough. And that's two local companies, Double A Battery and uh, Sick and Twisted Theater, mm-hmm. are producing a new original musical adaptation of Antigone mm-hmm. that highlights and um, puts some um, focus on um, disabled performers mm-hmm. and has original music from Winnipeg's own Mariachi Ghost. And it's mm-hmm. just... It's the coolest thing, you guys. Yeah. Everyone should go see it. Yes. Like twice. I have to say, and maybe this is more of like an energy response, but I forgot how much I had missed the fringe. Mm-hmm. And I have a nephew who's 11 who isn't at the age where he's, like, too cool for stuff yet. Yeah. Yeah. So I yeah. took him to see your play, oh. um, which he said was his favorite play. Oh. Please don't tell Ballad of Johnny Boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh. no, I'll, I'll give you we context. Will. <laughs> we will. We love so, walk and oh, talk. Walk yeah, yeah. and talk. <laughs> Did so you what hear happened was... <laughs> so, I only was able to catch two shows, which were The Ballad of Johnny Boy and The Cause. And I took my nephew to both because they were both, like, incredibly different 
experiences, but I was like, oh, I think this is like kind of the thing that will like get him excited because mm-hmm. it's not that like sit there for two and a half hours and watch like yeah. Dr. Zhivago the musical. I don't know. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, so for me, that was like two really beautiful examples of yes. like exciting, fast paced, mm-hmm. but like very different styles of yeah. storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I just, loved both of them so much um but dallas obviously really loved um your play so um sorry walk and talk we won (laughs) but that's the kind of stuff that gets me really excited because yeah it's just wonderful and i get to like meet people creatively when i see them do Mm -hmm. their own work absolutely whereas when you see people in a show that already exists it's like oh they're wonderful capable performers you know doing the thing but it's yeah, maybe it's not who they are entirely, and so it's wonderful mm, to see absolutely. people in their own work. Ooh, I really that's like that. I that. Meet them creatively. That's such a really, uh, that's yeah, a, really that's a beautiful, like that. beautiful <laughs> little phrase. Okay, well, last thing is literally just like plugs of you have uh, <laughs> work coming up that you want people to come see that you're allowed to talk. That you're allowed about. to talk about. <laughs> I absolutely am. Everyone should come to Prairie Theater Exchange this Christmas season and see me along with five of my closest friends improvise a musical based on Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. This is outside joke. We're doing A Christmas Carol, Big Dickens Energy. Woo! At at PTE. That sounds spicy. Oh, it's going to be fun. (laughs) It's going to be rowdy. It's going to be the most you're going to laugh this uh, Christmas season. And you should also come and check out the Village Conservatory's live fundraiser on December 10th at Crescent Fort Rouge United Church. If you want to support the future of new musicals Mm -hmm. in Winnipeg, Mm -hmm. that's where to find the people who are doing them. I am really thrilled that I get to be in the room to help facilitate the upcoming production of Charlie Brown at MTYP. Um, I get we to... got an MTYP mention. Yay! It's... Oh, were we yeah. looking for one? We, oh, no, always, we just always we mention them. Oh, you do every time. We just love yeah. them over there. So we all live there. Yeah. That's we why we live all live there. there. Yeah. Um, so I'm really looking forward to um, being in the room for that. And then I will be choreographing Into the Woods at... this winter so i look forward to doing that it's been a minute since i created movement from a storytelling perspective so it's a wonderful challenge and i look forward to it thank you so much for joining us thank you you and um we just spoke have a little bit of optimism like a rainbow through a small glass prism we want to search we want to look to listen to see what we find sure we've got a lot of old traditions but we're interested in your new renditions help us understand what we've been missing for all of this time rainbow speaks rainbow Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Rainbow Speaks. Our hosts are Quinn and Kara Joseph, and today's special guests were Paul DeGers and Jillian Willems. For the Digital Studio, I'm Daphne Finlayson, your Technical Creative Director, and our Content Creative Director is Duchess Cayetano. Music for the show is provided by Duncan Cox. This podcast was recorded and produced on Treaty 1 territory, the traditional home of the Anishinaabeg, Cree, OG Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and on the homeland of the Métis Nation. We gratefully acknowledge the support of the Canada Council for the Arts in making this podcast possible. Thank you so much.